Hello and welcome. This is Communication Means Talking Together. My name is Arjun Bakshi. Let's learn a little bit about communication skills, leadership skills, and really how you'd like to improve your life, your career, and your outlook. Let's start. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode. This week I thought we'd talk about something a little bit different, and that's happiness. You might wonder what happiness has to do with communication. But if you think about it, thinking positively, saying positive things, that's been, that's been part of everyday conversation for a very long time now. Till today, people look uh, to motivational speakers, comedians, public speakers of all kinds, leaders, and family and friends to lift their moods with a joke, with some wise words, and with some comments that ultimately help us feel that things aren't so bad. And if they are difficult right now, then at least in the future, they could get better. But with that being said, I actually went ahead, and you might try this sometime, and I looked up the origins of the word happy in terms of, you know, the roots of the word itself. And I was surprised, as, as may well you be too, that the word happy actually comes from similar words as the word lucky, like happy, happenstance, you get it, in the sense that things turned out well, fortune smiled upon you, therefore you are happy, right? Things are going well for you. And if you unpack that, you know, maybe that's what, what happy means for a lot of people, right? That you're making money, you have good family and social life, you are perhaps respected in your line of work, and uh, you have good prospects for the future. You don't have worries. You don't have challenges. So the more things are in that form, the happier you might feel. At least this is thinking in, in terms of a concept. Reality, of course, being much more a shade of gray than simply the dictionary de definition. So I thought we'd ponder about what it, what it takes to be happy. Are there different kinds of happiness? How can we talk in a way that we maintain our level of happiness and light and optimistic mood? And who knows, perhaps even spread some joy to the people we interact with. So let's think about happiness from the point of view of our mind, mindset, our way of thinking. So taking our, our sort of jump off point from the de definition that I mentioned earlier, things are going our way. It sort of stands to reason that we know what we want from life. And that's really something worth pondering over. How many of us really consciously sit down or spend any amount of time thinking about what we want from life. I mean, sure, some, some parts of life aren't so nebulous, right? Everybody needs 
money to survive, food to live, rest and sleep to recover, and social connections to be bonded, connected, and have some form of community. So those are some pieces that we sort of take for granted, right? And at the same time, more than two-thirds of people statistically are dissatisfied with their work. Um, more than half of uh, marital relationships fall apart over a period of time. And uh, how many of us today can look at our friends circle and say, oh, I've known this friend of mine for more than this many years. I can say that my grandparents' generation was very different. Even if people just 20 years older than me, they'll talk about friendships that they've had since their school years. That's not necessarily true for a lot of people today. Part of the reason, I think, is we move around a lot more. Jobs are in different cities. People leave their hometowns where they grew up, move to the big city. And of course, with companies being not only nationally distributed, but even internationally distributed, you know, uh, prospects take us hundreds, if not thousands of miles away from where we started. So family gets spread out, friends get spread out, and uh, you would know this from your own experience that the further apart you are geographically, it can have an effect on the closeness you have with that friend or family member. So but bringing it back to the main point, there's a conscious thought that goes into building a career. And there's ways that we can perhaps overcome this dissatisfaction that's pretty widespread. So let's, let's try and boil it down to a very specific question. Is there a way that we can be happier with our job, our career, or if we're self-employed, our line of work in general? Well, the first thing, I think, is to measure our skills. There's no point in being happy if we don't have some research to begin with. I myself did this a while ago, and I always recommend it to anyone who's interested to really look into what you're good at and what you're interested in. It's like you have this, this Venn diagram type of exercise, and there's one circle which is all the skills you have that are marketable, that have value in the world of work. And then the other circle is the things you're interested in, right? Uh, perhaps you enjoy working with people, or perhaps you're very different. You prefer working with scientific materials, mathematics, engineering, you know, things that are different. It's more about numbers rather than people. And a third circle might be the things that are valuable out there in the world. So what are people looking for? So there's an intersection that might occur. The, the interests that you have, things that you enjoy thinking about and doing, the skills you have, so which of your interests and skills overlap, 
And then from that subsection, you can intersect it with those things that are, shall we say, well compensated out in the world. It happened a while ago that there, there was this cultural disassociation between the things that we wanted to study, let's say in college, uh, and get a degree in, and the things that are actually needed out in the workplace. And that disassociation has created a wide gap between what people want to do and what they have to do in order to get a paycheck. That being said, once you look at the best case compromise scenario, something that might be, let's say, your fifth favorite interest. Okay, I'm just giving an example. Your fifth favorite interest, that's number three in terms of your skills and number, let's say, two or four in terms of well-compensated, shall we say, careers. So it's not the most favorite thing in the world, but you're good at it and it gets you a lot of money. So if you if you find that sweet spot, suddenly you feel like there is a certain amount of job satisfaction. Because ultimately, if we take sort of a, a conceptual leap from happiness to job satisfaction, right? Again, because happiness, if we break it down, is about things working out for you, right? Job satisfaction means you're doing something of value. And, and maybe, you know, just conceptually, that makes sense. Things are working out for me because I'm getting reasonably well paid for something I'm relatively good at and that, you know, is relatively interesting to me. Because if you're not at least a little bit intellectually curious about your work and stimulated by performing that work, be it research, be it conversation, be it management, what have you, you're going to find that it just it just doesn't drive you at a certain point and you experience burnout. Because let's be let's face it, this is a this is a time and an era that it's not just about nine to five and it's about these long hours that don't stop at five o'clock like it used to in the old days and you get emails well into the night. Maybe you're based in uh, the US and you've got a team in Europe and you need to work on them with a project. And so either you stay up late or they wake up early. You know, there's some compromises to be made. Somebody's going to get a little bit less sleep than they they wanted, right? Or have to compensate uh, sleep later at a different time of the day. So to bring it all back, I want to see how we can take this conceptually from happiness. I'm doing what I love, which is very nebulous, albeit well-meaning concept, to the concept of job satisfaction. So what, what I guess, when, what makes this about communication is the processing that you do, first of all, for yourself, right? What do you want out of life? What are you good at? And what are people willing to pay you well for in all, in all those uh, categories? And then you take your actual charge, you know, the actual job description that you've been given, and you find ways to make it intellectually stimulating for yourself. Stagnation is death, as, as we are well told. And so keeping there 
some amount of variety and keeping a certain amount of difficulty, not too difficult so you get discouraged and not too easy that it becomes humdrum, rote, and brain deadening. So the right amount of difficulty, the right amount of interest, compensation so you feel valued for your time, and reward where hopefully your employer is making sure that you have the right incentives, employee of the month, possible promotions, possible perks, sending you to conferences, get, letting you have a, have a chance to speak about your work. All these kinds of things, making sure you're well rewarded personally as well as extrinsically by what your employer affords you. All of these things will help you feel happier at work. And there's a longer conversation we can have about this, but this is at least a starting point. Making sure that we translate happiness into something more concrete, which is job satisfaction. So I guess one of the other things when I was previewing this, this, this talk with you was, is there a way for us to pass this, this happiness on to others and be uplifting and, and try to find the glass half full, if you will. I'll put it this way. It's not that we look through the world, look, uh, look at the world, I should say, through rose-tinted glasses. That's usually the, the bad rap that so-called optimists get from other types of people. That, oh, you, you're just being unrealistic. It's not really true. A true optimist knows how bad things can get. You're never in doubt about how bad things can get. It's just that in order to stay motivated, so you keep working, so you're on the job and you don't give up, you have to also see how good they could get in order to see, is this worth the effort? Because if there's no positive outcome in sight, why put in the time? It's really about giving yourself something to shoot for rather than pretending things are okay. So when in a business meeting, in a work meeting, you always want to do both conversations. The conversation, which is the worst case scenario, what's the worst that things can get, right? Lack of budget, shutdown, uh, we get uh, bought out by another company. You know the kinds of worst case scenarios people discuss. The reason we have that conversation is so that whatever anxiety and fear and concern your teammates are having, they say, oh, and nothing that I'm thinking is nearly as bad as your worst case scenario. So all of a sudden, they don't feel as as uh, anxious about their concern because it seems quite minor by comparison. And then to counteract what remains, the remaining anxiety, you talk about the best case scenario. And you're like, we get this, we get this, we get this. And of course, human beings, what we are, you know, we'll hear the, the absolute worst case scenario, right? World's on fire, sky's falling, how we want to determine it. And best case scenario, the Shangri-La, the heaven, and everything, everybody's happy. And you figure out, well, okay, uh, supposing we get a midway result. So you get, let's say you want five things um, to go perfectly well, and that's your best case scenario. And none of them work your way, that's your worst case scenario. 
but maybe you can get three out of the five things. That's realistic, right? And then that's how we start working towards the solution at hand, making sure that everyone gets to the final point in the project with an even keeled, not too positive, not too negative mindset and feels that the work was valuable, that their effort was rewarded and that the team functioned positively. No one's ideas were quashed unnecessarily. Everything was taken upon its merit and the leader was just and fair in disbursement of judgment. And so that's, you know, if we, if we kind of tie, try and tie everything together, happiness at work is, is not so simple, right? Because work is so many times about compromise and about making the best of a challenging situation. And sometimes you have these great wins, right? People get a, a, a startup, uh, becomes a unicorn, a billion dollar value, valuation company. And that's phenomenal, right? To, to, to anyone's credit. And then, you know, there's the more average day, which is just, did I manage to cross off most of the things on my checklist for today? Not everything, right? But most of them. You feel you were productive. You feel you were effective. And something I mentioned in, I think, a previous episode was there's a distinction I always make between being effective and being efficient. Some of the time, we want to do more things in less time. That's being efficient, right? You work fast, you cross off a lot of things, and that gives you one kind of satisfaction. But almost as important sometimes, if not more important, is effectiveness, which is you take the thing that gives you the most value, the most sense of victory, and you just get that one thing done. There's other stuff that we didn't get to, but this thing we got done, and by itself, it gives, due to its difficulty or its value or its importance to the company, it gives you this great sense of satisfaction. And all of a sudden, you feel motivated to knock out the other items on the, on the checklist, which are less important. So overall, I guess what we're trying to say here is happiness in our work lives is about feeling a sense of satisfaction. And how do we get it to go that way is being realistic about the challenges, giving the right motivation to our teams and ourselves, knowing our skills, knowing our interests, knowing what's valuable to uh, the world of work at large or, our, or a particular company or a particular team in general, so that in the end, the work we end doing is valued, it's intellectually interesting to us, it's Challenging enough that it keeps us interested and not so challenging that we get disheartened. And finally, that we feel we're getting most of the things that we want to get done successfully accomplished. Thank you for joining us this week with Communication Means Talking Together. Join us every week and we can also be in touch via email or through our social media. Go to our website cultureofspeak.com for more details and see you next week. Goodbye for now.